and welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It was upset week in week nine with the Cowboys, Saints and Rams on the wrong end of an upset, while the Giants, Browns and Jaguars took home an unexpected W. I'm your host, Nick Splitter, once again joined by Ryan Lepore. Lepper, it was our first bad week for a while, but uh, it was brutal, wasn't it? It certainly was brutal. There's no other way to put it. It was um, it was carnage, absolute carnage. I mean, I went 0 for, 0 for 3 in my best bets. I think you went 1 from 2. You managed to salvage 1. So, And to be honest, it's been a bad fortnight for myself. Uh, so, look, I'm really needing to bounce back. Uh, we're in, obviously now the over that halfway hump. So, it's all about that run home and, and, and picking up where, you know, that momentum we had before the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, confident this week, actually. There's, there's a few that we both really like. And, again, for whatever reason, we're agreeing far too much, but <laughs> I'm almost tempted to throw a I'm almost tempted to throw a head to head in on one of them just to get that um, that <laughs> rivalry back up and running. So we'll chat about that when we get into the games. But yeah, I, I'm I, I'm bullish we can bounce back this week, mate. Um, and starting with tomorrow morning's game, I think I think it's a big fill up for us. I reckon. Yeah, I agree about tomorrow morning. It's uh, Thursday night football for for anybody listening. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a really tough week. I I, I went zero and three. Too, um, but salvaged a, a player prop in the end, which which saved the week. But That's yeah, fun. it was it was a real tough one after the the good stretch that, that we'd been on for oh, good good six weeks. Uh, mm. We've been on a pretty positive run, and and that was a, a real down week. But um, yeah, I mean, you're you're confident. I'm I'm a little bit nervous after last week. Uh, I've just lost my uh, lost my mojo. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I have well, to, I have to be because otherwise <laughs> it's just going to be a, a, a long road to dig out, a, a long hole to dig out of. But <laughs> Look, uh, uh, there's, there's a couple crossed. of games. Yeah, there's a couple of games I really like. So at least we can try and knock them off and, and get back into the positive ledger on the on the best bets. I think. Yeah, that's it. Fingers crossed we get back into into the the black and uh, we'll uh, we'll kick on. But you know, we, we touched on the Jags with that unexpected win over the Bills last week. You uh you actually picked Josh Allen to have <laughs> a big one, but it was the wrong the wrong Josh Allen. Uh, that Jaguars defensive end had. A sack on the Bills, Josh Allen. He intercepted the Bills, Josh Allen, and also recovered a fumble off the Bills, Josh Allen. It was an amazing all-round game, but even more unbelievable when you consider the that naming coincidence. It was quite incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Ridiculous scenes. So Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. I think it was the first time ever in the NFL that that's happened with so. the namesake. It. But yeah, you got the trifecta, as you mentioned, uh, a, reco- a, a forced fumble recovery, a, a sack and an interception. He had an unbelievable game. And yeah, I mean, what a what a turn up by the Jags to to knock off you know one of the highly fancy teams in the in the AFC, let alone the A uh, the uh, NFL. And then of course, uh, yeah, I was thinking Josh Allen was going to have a lights out game, but yeah, like you said, just picked the wrong one and on the wrong side of the ball. Oh, well, I, mean, I suppose if you're going to pick the wrong guy with the same name, that's a pretty good way to do it. It was uh, <laughs> it was fun to watch. It was real interesting. But what what were your thoughts on on upset upset week? I mean, I, I feel like every year there's one week where there's just a number of really really big kind of mismatched upsets, and and it just seemed like this was the one. Yeah, absolutely, exactly right. There's usually one or two per year, and and this certainly was week nine. Uh, it'll be remembered uh, as one of the, the horror weeks, I suppose, if you were a favourite better. Uh, with ten of the fourteen matches, the underdog covered, uh, and seven of those underdogs actually won outright as well. So, incredible scenes. Um, obviously, the Broncos and the Jags, the most notable, and of course, the Falcons as well knocked off the Saints. So. They're three huge upsets, let alone the uh, the Giants, Cardinals, Browns, and Titans all covering mm. as well, and and a few of those winning outright, as we mentioned. So, 
yeah, it, it, it was one of those weeks and it was to be expected or, you know, it was going to come sooner rather than later. But, yeah, it was um, it was absolutely brutal as we, as we set off the top. That's it. We're, we're going to get into some listener questions in just a second. But if you do like the show, remember to please give us a rating and a review on Facebook and or on iTunes, wherever you listen. Uh, tweet at us, uh, at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook, uh, the Punt Return Podcast, on Instagram, at NFL Podcast. Engage with us as much as possible. Um, you know, we just love chatting football. It's it's one of the highlights of the week that we get to do this on a you know, Wednesday or Thursday night. And uh, it's if one of my favourite. We, we're happy to take that as well. Um, obviously, Absolutely. we had a shocking week. So if you want to want to give us a, a clip while we're down, you certainly can. And we'll, we'll just have a chat about football as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Loving as many questions as we got this week. Exactly right. Well, let, let's get stuck in. Uh, on Twitter, at KickOnside, uh, sent us a message that said, name a harder sport to predict. And that is a... It's a hard tweet to uh, to one up. I'm not sure there is a, a harder sport to predict, but there are a couple. I mean, the the, the big four US sports are all pretty tough on on their day. But uh, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, like you, like we just said off 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 air. I mean, all the the big four sports as we mentioned in the in the US are, are pretty tough to predict on their day. The NFL probably being the hardest, um, where the where the gap probably is um, between the best and the worst, probably the closest, I would say. So yeah, look it. it it's one of those weeks where um, where everything went wrong for for the for the favoured teams and yeah it's hard to argue with uh, Mister at kick on side for sure it's certainly right up there um, certainly harder than any of the sports in our backyard here in Australia that's right and, and punting is a mugs game it is designed for punters to fail um, yeah that's where the where the books have the advantage uh, but it, yeah NFL is a, is an incredibly hard sport to predict uh, the cheese had the cheesehead and the Viking podcast. Uh, another Aussie-based NFL podcast uh, asked, will Zimmer keep his job or will he get the sack when the season ends? Yeah, look, I, I don't see him seeing, uh, making it into 2022. Uh, yeah, I, I could be, he could even might not make the end of the season. Like, yeah, I think it is time up for Mike Zimmer. I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are, Mr. Viking from the Cheesehead and Viking podcast as well. Uh, I'm sure you're probably in the same boat. You know, he's had, he's had seven seasons in charge. They haven't lost... Of course, by more than seven points this year, and they did lose only their second. They did lose their second OT game of the season, but they've just been in a window now for quite a while, and, and they haven't really achieved anything other than that. Obviously, that um, that Case Keenum hail mary to Stefan Diggs was <laughs> was the highlight. And look, it's been such a disappointment ever since because they've got all the stars on on both sides of the ball to to really excel and and push. For, for a division title, let alone um, to do more damage. And mm. look, another disappointing season seems to be slipping away and, and too far back from the Packers now, you'd think, uh, to catch them. Uh, so, look, they're only going to be a wildcard team at best if that is season. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's time up for Mike Zimmer. And for the fact that yeah, they're, just, they're just so negative with their play calling and a lot mm. of things just don't make sense. I mean, they came out a bit more aggressive against the Baltimore Ravens last week and, and it almost paid dividends, but... They did give up two 14-point leads either side of, half, of each half. So, look, um, yeah, I don't see Mike Zimmer getting into another season next year. Yeah, I agree. It would be interesting to see what uh, what Mr. Cheesehead and Mr. Viking think about uh, Zimmer in, in Minnesota um, and kind of the, the place where the NFC North is, is at right now. But I, I couldn't agree more with you. He's had seven years in the job in, in Minnesota and with the talent that he's had, in that franchise on both sides of the ball over the last, you know, over half a decade, um, they really need to have achieved more. And it just looks like he can't get to that next level with Minnesota. 
I mean, you look at that that 2019 divisional game. Uh, they lost to the Niners. Since then, the Vikings have gone 10 and 14. They came third in the division last season in 2020. They're currently what three or four wins behind Green Bay in the NFC North this season. It's just a real worry. And you touched on the play calling, and yeah, you know, they've got so much talent on offense. And, and I'm not saying that you know, Kirk Cousins is the greatest quarterback in in the league, but he's certainly an offensive minded QB. He loves to, to air the yeah. ball out. Um, he's got plenty of talent you know, on the ground and and through the air to you know to, around him, and and a pretty decent offensive line as well. Um, and it just seems like you, you touched on the play calling and stuff. When, when they get a touchdown or more ahead early in games, they just go into their shell when they really should yeah. start looking to put the foot down and, and, and rack up some big wins. And it's it must be a real worry for uh, for Vikings fans to, to think about what's coming next um, you know, after this period because it could go mm. either way. You know, they could bring in a new head coach and, and they're able to take that next level. Alternately, they could bring in a new head coach and, and they completely drop off. Um, so it's a really interesting period. I, I like you. I don't think that that Mike Zimmer's in Minnesota after this season. Uh, whether or not he lasts the rest of this season, I'm not sure yet. Um, I tend to yeah, believe that. Yeah, I, I think there's but, a real possibility that he might not, especially mm. seeing yeah, what happens in the, in the next you know month or so. And and like you said, the coach, the new coach or whoever comes in, they've got to either they're going to either bottom out or or actually excel and go to the next level, as you said, because there's just no point being a 500 team in the NFL at the moment. So That's it. Um, they're, just, they're just kind of floating through no man's land at the moment. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, what is the acceptable limit for the the Vikings franchise? I mean, you know, is it finishing three games behind Green Bay? Is it two games behind Green Bay? Is it, you know, win or bust? Because, you know, they're not going to win the division. It, it, you, you, I can't imagine that happening this season unless something miraculous happens. Uh, in well, both if Rogers, Green Bay Rogers sits Minnesota, out for the rest but... of the season, there, there might be a very slight <laughs> door ajar. But, yeah, look, I, I don't see them catching them um, even from there uh, with four games behind already. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a huge ask. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm more concerned about if he if he lasts the season. Um, Zimmer, uh, I don't think he'll be there next year for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, a question from Matt Zemek. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs aren't good on offense, but where does the problem start? I, I think for mine... Uh, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast on on the Chiefs and, and where they're at at the moment. But for, for, in my opinion, I think it all starts with the defensive line. I know there are issues on offense as well, but even with the, I guess, quote unquote below par play from Mahomes and, and the offensive line, they're still ranked number one in offensive yards per drive. And I think the real issue is on the defensive end where we knew they were already poor, but they've gotten much, much worse. And when the offense doesn't play to you know, their best ability, and, and we know how good that can be. It's it's absolutely scintillating, but there's nowhere for the defense to hide when when that doesn't happen. Uh, points per game against in 2021, uh, 25.2, which is 24th in the league, compared to last year, 22.8, which was 10th in the league. And just a couple of um, defensive line rankings through nine weeks so far this year. Defensive yards per drive, ranked 31, defensive points per drive, ranked 26, defensive drive success rate, they're ranked 31st, adjusted defensive line yards, they're ranked 24th, power rank, they're ranked 31st, second level rank, they're ranked 29th. I mean, there's all sorts of holes in this defensive line and until they fix that, then I'm not sure they're going to get back to the best Kansas City Chiefs that that we expect. What, What do you think on this one? 
Yeah, look, I, I think their defense has got better. Obviously, the last couple of weeks they've, they've improved, and and the struggles seem to be on that offensive side. But with the stats that you just mentioned, it, it's pretty obvious that that's not the case, and and it's it's really around that defense still, and and they haven't got that off that offensive firepower that they've been relying on the last few years, as you mentioned. So, look, um, yeah, it's it's a hard one to to pin down exactly, but yeah, I, I'd say that obviously they've got more issues on that defensive side than the offensive side, and. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of next year with um, Eric Bieniemy probably moving on and probably getting a head coaching role finally. So, you know, they could lose their offensive coordinator, um, which could even set them back even a bit further. And, and obviously, Paddy Mahomes has excelled under his tutelage and, and Andy Reid's, of course, as well. But, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Chiefs and, and where they go through, go through from here. I think we're both pretty confident that they can probably win this week. But um, yeah, whether or not they can they can you know really challenge again this year is another question because of that that issues that they're having on defense that we we've mentioned. So yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one and one I'm I'm keen to see play out. Yeah, spot on. Uh, another one from Matt who asks: Obviously, the 49ers are bad, but does it rest with the coach, the GM, or the locker room? What do you think? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting one because I think I think we critique the 49ers a little bit harshly. I mean. They were in a Super Bowl only 18 months ago, right? So we've got to give them some kind of um, leeway. I mean, they had a shocking year last year. They're only winning four games. They were decimated by injuries. And I know you've brought it up on the show before. There has to be some sort of questioning or, you know, some answers to be um, in, in, in San Francisco about why they're having so many injuries to, to key personnel. And, and they seem to be decimated year on year. And mm. uh, they've only just got George Kittle back. They're still obviously missing some key key pieces. And, and it, it's it's they seem to have the most injuries in the league year on, year out, or at least since the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, I think obviously um, Kyle Shanahan's a a great coach and and he's proven that winning the uh, NFC championship already. Big question marks on the GM, obviously, around it'll come down to draft night and whether they or not they made the right choice. Obviously, Trey Lance is still very unproven, but, you know, when Matt Jones was sitting there, could have been taken at number three. That's looking like a... A really bad decision now already, like how, how well Mac Jones is going. So he could have been the heir apparent. He would have been a, you know, he would have had just as good a year in San Francisco as he's doing in, in New England, even potentially more with with some more weapons around him, um, the way Debo Samuel and a few others are, are playing. Mm. So, yeah, there'll be questions asked, but, yeah, they are only two years removed from a Super Bowl as well. We need to remember if they do bust again this year, they can, they can reload in the draft again, but... Um, they can't be to making critical errors like taking um, overlooking a guy like Mac Jones when he was right there in front of you. So that's where I stand on it. But yeah, the injuries obviously are playing a huge part in and and the sports science and and the the team there obviously have to take some ownership of that as well, which I think I know you're big on. Yeah, I think it's kind of all of the above. That, you know those those elements that Matt mentioned and, and asked about. I think there's yeah, there's certainly some coaching. Yeah, you know, I, I really rate Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. Um, but you know, I think I think he's made some poor decisions, play calling, since yep. that since in, that in game, Super Bowl yeah, sure. loss. loss. Um, I think clearly there there are some questions to to be asked about the front office and and the GM, uh, the locker room. I mean, it's hard to blame the players given how much they've gone through as a group in terms of injury and and fitness and health and and all that sort of stuff. You know, over the last couple of years, it, it feels like that defense is just. You know, decimated like you said, year after year after year, and then you get multiple guys on offense as well at the same time, and they're never able to get you know a, 
a proper squad out on the field in any given week, let alone, you know, for for an entire season. Um, and, and I just wonder, like you said, I've mentioned it a few times, whether it's the sports science department, whether it's the fitness staff. I mean, I think there's, there's some sort of malaise around the whole franchise, to be honest. Um, and I'm not sure what it's going to take to get out of it, but it feels like, you know, the, the front office and, and the franchise in general needs a, a kick in the pants come this off season and, and something's got to change because they can't keep, they can't keep losing players and such important players, you know, year after year, week after week, uh, because it's costing them games and it's costing them, you know, their window at a, a, a potential championship. And Matt, Matt also asked about the Bills O-line and um, I actually had a, a full answer um, prepared and I can't, I actually can't find it, but it was Mitch Morse, I think that, that said something like they need to find the balance between uh, poise and urgency, and, and they just haven't been able to do that. I think there's some question marks around uh, the front office and some of the decisions that they made during the offseason in terms of recruitment for that offensive line. Um, I think there are some still, some, still some question marks around what they're going to do. Uh, I think they probably needed to do a little bit more in terms of uh, bringing some more talent into that line, but they have been, you know, I, I think re- realistically they haven't had the depth to cover you know, injuries that, that always seem to pop up um, in in offensive line players. Um, you know, in, in some cases, I think that the their starters on the offensive line have been kind of like depth players anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really interested to see what the Bills do in terms of their offensive line post this season because we know that, you know, unless you're incredibly elite everywhere else, you can't win a Super Bowl unless you're protecting your your quarterback. Um, Josh Allen is clearly their guy. He's clearly the franchise QB. Um, and, and, you know, for the Bills to, to, to do well, he needs to be able to perform. And, you know, they're, they're not terrible, but they're also not great. And, you know, for, for this Bills team to be able to win a Super Bowl, they need to be able to take that next step. And I'm not sure they can do that this year. I was, yeah, I was just going to ask you, Nick, do you, are you writing them off? Not writing them off, maybe. It's probably a little bit too strong, but... Yeah, do you see those offensive line issues really, really playing a big major role and and stopping them from that Super Bowl charge this year? I, I do this year, unless yeah. Look, I, I think the Bills are a really good franchise. I really like how they've built this roster. I like how they've built the squad. I think they've kind of, I don't know, um, underprepared in terms of their offensive line coming into this season. But they're they're a really strong front office. They're a really strong franchise. They're really well coached. Really well led at all levels. I think. Um, and they'll get it right. They'll they'll figure it out. I think that you know they'll get some bodies back, uh, and and you know Brian Dayball, the, the offensive coordinator, will figure it out. You know, he's a good coach, uh, and as you know, as is Sean McDermott. So they'll they'll figure it out. It's just a matter of whether they can do it in time this season or not. Yeah, I, I tend to think that they'll still they're still in line for a, a solid playoff run, but I'm not yeah. sure they can they can take that next step this season until they fix some of those holes and it, it might be too late for that this season. Yeah, fair enough too. Uh, another question we had was from at Chopano. Some people crying foul after the awful refereeing against Chicago on Monday Night Football. Do you think there's any possibility of the refs being bought in the NFL or is everyone too well paid for this to be a possibility? What do you think? Oh, uh, look, I, I don't think there's any, any, um, any chance that that's happening in terms of payouts and, and any kind of bribery at all. But and 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 as we know, all professional umpires, especially or referees in, in in North America especially get paid some mega bucks. But they 
continually make terrible decisions and that was one of the worst ones I've seen and and essentially cost Chicago a win um, mm. or at least a, a very good chance to, to go in and, and win the game. I mean, the referee backed up into him and then threw the flag like he was, I, I don't even know, he was in the rhythmic, rhythmic gymnastics at the Olympics. <laughs> like he, he loved it. He held the, held the pose and everything. It he was did, just, he? yeah, he wanted it all about himself. And, and that's what um, I know um, some of our friends on Twitter keep, keep crying on and banging on about mm-hmm. is, yeah, they just keep making the game about themselves. And um, we see it here in the AFL with a, a certain few, um, you know, that like to talk to, to talk to players in an in a interest, interesting way and like their sound of their own voice. And I think we're seeing it more and more this year. The refereeing has been, yeah, pretty awful. And, and I mean, taunting the fact that, that's coming in, in such a way this year as well, I think is taken away from, from the NFL because we know the personalities, especially in gridiron and, and what we've seen over the, you know, decades before, that, that's kind of part and parcel of the game, that taunting, that, that, that jiving, that big note in themselves and, and getting mm-hmm. up and getting pumped up. And, and that's kind of how they do it. And it, it's really taken away, I feel, um, when someone makes a big play that you have to be so careful and, yeah, yeah look, um, that was just an awful, awful decision, um, and and one that's yeah, potentially cost Chicago a, a shot at the playoffs. You know, I mean, it's it's that it gets to that where you know a team could be four and four and said they're sitting three and five, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty um, disappointing when when things happen like that, and it took away from a pretty um, fantastic finish of that game. Yeah, I, I've always said the best referees or the best umpires in any in any game, in any sport, in any code, are the ones that you don't notice. Yeah, and, don't notice, yeah. you know, I think that the NFL has such big personalities in terms of its players, its coaches. You you want to see them show that personality on the field. And, and like you said, you know, when there's a big play, you want to see them celebrate. You want to see them rub it in a little bit. And, and this taunting rule, how it's developed and, and how it's been officiated over the last couple of years is, is, is ruining that a little bit from a fan perspective. Um, and, you know, taking that taking that um, I don't know, spontaneity in, in celebration a bit out of the game. And, and I think I think the game is missing that at the moment. Um, I guess in, in, in regards to, to Dan's question on, on Twitter about the, the refereeing and whether they can, you know, whether there's possibility of them being bought out and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's always a possibility, isn't it? We, we've seen it in the NBA historically over the years. We've seen it in other sports around the world. It definitely happens, right? But the average NFL ref gets paid around two hundred and five thousand US dollars a year. They're incredibly well paid. They're probably the most well paid referees in world sport, I would imagine. Um, I really don't think it's the case here that that refs are, are being bought out. But you never say never. Just because you know, you go back and read some of those ESPN, um, you know, stories about uh, the NBA refs. You know, during the late 90s, early 2000s and, and connections with, you know, mob and, and mafia and that sort of stuff and, and other gambling, betting rings, etc. It's possible, but I, I don't think that's the case here. I think it's just over-officiating, you know, a number of different yep. types of rules and, and regulations in the game, but uh, it is it is certainly frustrating from a fan perspective. Um, Gridiron Guys Podcast Australia asks, who wins the AFC North? I think we might both be on the same page here. Yeah, I think Baltimore win. Unfortunately, we both predicted the Browns in the preseason. So we'd love to see the Browns get up and win. They are still two games behind. 
the, the Ravens do have a tough run home. That's the only saving grace. They do after this week, um, where they will trounce Miami tomorrow. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. Um, they actually don't face a team with a losing record. They've all, they play all teams that are above 500. So it is a tough run home for the Ravens. Um, they still do have two matchups against the Browns. So if the Browns win both of them, they could flip it in our favour. But yeah, it's hard to go past Baltimore at the moment, especially the way the Bengals have played the last fortnight. Of course, um, Pittsburgh won four in a row as well, but mm. I still don't think they're a, a threat uh, to Baltimore at this stage. Yeah, I agree. I think Baltimore kind of not have it in the bag, but it's theirs to lose now. Uh, I think Theirs to lose is exactly the right phrase, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland are the dark horse, I think, now. I mean, like you said, we both had Cleveland to win the division preseason, but, uh, you know, like you said, those two matchups against against the Ravens are, are key, um, and you just never know what's going to happen in Cleveland. They're just you know, consistently <laughs> inconsistent. They could, you know, they, they can come out and win those two games quite easily if their head's in the game, if, if they play good football, but um, I think Baltimore are the, you know, they're clearly the better franchise, better roster uh, almost across the board. Um yeah, yeah, it's it's theirs to lose. Um, the Pastry Press podcast asked, "What are you guys' award predictions?" We touched on most of these going through our preseason predictions uh, last week at the halfway mark, but we might just quickly run through some of those and, and compare to where things are at now. Uh, I've got Josh Allen as the MVP. I know you, you do as well. You did preseason, which I is did a, preseason. A to be honest, I think Lamar Jackson is probably the one Ooh. to beat at the moment. Kyler Murray, obviously, in that conversation, obviously missed last game and he's at question marks over this week. But I think Lamar Jackson and his output in Baltimore probably surpassed Josh Allen. Obviously, had a horror week. Interesting. Um, if, you know, Josh Allen from the Jags had a fantastic week. But, yeah, Josh <laughs> Allen from the Bills that we're talking about had a horror week and, and he, he was a bit quiet, um, I think, the week prior against Miami too. So a couple of downer weeks. I think Lamar's probably the front runner for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see um, my man Josh Allen win the MVP. As I said, he was – as you said, he was my preseason prediction. But I think at this, at this stage it's – I would be – I would be like my money on Lamar. I've got, I've got Josh Allen as my favourite. I've got – Lamar at number two and Kyler Murray at three, but you know so much rests on on Murray's leg and foot and, and see how, I think, how he comes yeah, back. Yeah, I think they're that. the three at this stage. Um, mm. Even though we've seen so much chopping and changing, obviously injuries and COVID and all kinds of things have put mm. rest Anything to a few players, stuff. unfortunately. But um, one man that we probably need to speak to, of, and I know we're going to mention him in our game previews, is Jonathan Taylor. He's actually sneaking mm. up as a genuine, genuine contender if he keeps his pace. Uh, in the back half of the season, it is, there's no reason why he couldn't potentially steal it if it, if it doesn't go to a quarterback. And there is a potential that with such a stacked QB class in the MVP race that someone like a Jonathan Taylor could sneak up and grab it, you know, kind of if, if like you said, if this pace continues, he's just absolute beast mode at the moment. But, uh, I, I would love to see that happen. Um, I'm not sure the the league is ready for that just yet. I, I think it will be, you know, there are three or four QBs, you know, let's say the Chiefs get on a run and, and they win, you know, six or seven straight, then, you know, who knows what uh, what Pat Mahomes can do. We know that the the voters love Pat Mahomes as, as they should, but, um, I mean, it, it's kind of anyone's game at this point out of those four or five, I would have thought. Defensive player of the year, um, I've got TJ Watt still as my favourite. Who are you leaning towards? Yeah, look, he was your preseason prediction, and and despite a few injury concerns early, he, he certainly looks to be the one now, doesn't he? He's had a monster month in that in those um, 
Steelers have won four of those games, obviously, of course, in a row, and, and he's been a big part. He was, again, dominant on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, he, I think he looks the one at this stage. Um, my preseason prediction of Miles Garrett is probably nipping at his heels, but, mm. um, yeah, at this stage, I think PJ Watt, PJ Watt is the clear favourite and one I'd like to be on. Offensive Rookie of the Year, where are you sitting with this one? Yeah, hard to go past Jamar Chase, as you've got there, mate. He, he looks a dominant uh, favourite, and, and, and rightly so. I think, um, yeah, Pitts and Najee Harris will have a long way to, to catch up to him. But, yeah, it looks like Jamar Chase's um, award to lose, I suppose, and with mm. only maybe injury or something like that preventing him from going on to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's his to lose. Uh, you know, there are some things that can happen. We, we saw him drop uh, what would have been a, a touchdown pass last week. Uh, and we know earlier in the season, in the, across the preseason, that, that drops were a – an issue uh, in Cincinnati. So, you know, if that gets if that gets on a bit of a roll or, or a bit of a trend, then that could be an issue for, for Jamar Chase. But I think, yeah, he could have like the you said, it's... Never know. Well, I mean, it happens. It happens, yeah, doesn't it? Does. it? We've seen it before. Um, but, yeah, I think he's clearly the front runner. Um, Kyle Pitts and, and Najee Harris are still in the race. I mean, I, I don't think you can rule them out at, you know, still this early in the season. But, yeah, you know, if... If Jamar Chase stays fit and healthy, then uh, yeah, I think he he might have it wrapped up. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year, I think your preseason pick is on point here. Yeah, Micah Parsons at this stage looks the one. He, he's he's had a fantastic year in, in the last month or six weeks. He really he really stepped it up and, and been a big reason why why Dallas have been successful. Um, your man Patrick Setan has had a very decent year in Denver as well. But yeah, there's still a couple that are picking. Um, you know, in the in the pecking order, but yeah, I think Micah looks the one at this stage. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, the rookie cornerback in in Denver is going to be a very very good player, but I think uh, I think Micah Parsons might pip him to the post in this case. Uh, Coach of the year, I had Sean McVay as my tip. He's still my tip. I think the Rams are probably my team to beat in the uh, in the NFL as as they were preseason. Uh, I think they've kind of. Maybe not exceeded expectations, but but certainly lived up to expectation. Uh, from my perspective, what have you got? You had yeah, Sean McDermott. The Rams, I think. Yeah, the Rams have been unreal, and and just you know, take away those two horror passes by Matthew Stafford, they they probably go to eight and one as well. But I, I have to, I can't go past the team for at the moment to be the coach of the year. Um, obviously, he's leading his team to the best record in the whole NFL for a team that missed the playoffs last year. Um, missed the game with COVID, yet they still um, got the job done that week. But, yeah, I think Cliff Kingsbury at the moment is my coach of the year. So, Cliff Kingsbury, for you, comeback player of the year, is it, it can only be one, can't it, surely? Yeah, it, it can't be anyone other than Dak Prescott. Prescott at this stage, um, his contenders, the ones we picked, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, have hardly been on the park. They, they still need to come back first. <laughs> they say we maybe we can hold their tickets for next year. But, yeah, look, I, I think... Dak's the one to beat, obviously, and he's probably got a mortgage on that on that award. Now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we'll get stuck into week 10. Uh, we've been uh, rambling on for a little while, so we'll try and get through it as quickly as possible. Uh, we'll focus on our three best bets at the end of the show, um, a couple of long shots and uh, player props. Uh, where necessary. Remember that we're recording on a Thursday night Melbourne time. Uh, not all player prop markets are out, so we uh, we try and take a few from the Vegas books. Uh, obviously, over the course of the weekend, those are subject to change. But um, you know, if, if things pop up, we'll try and jump on Twitter or, or wherever and and share some that we find throughout the weekend before the, the Sunday slate. Um, 
let's go. The week 10 buys, the Chicago Bears, Cincinnati Bengals, Houston Texans, and the New York Giants. We kick off with Thursday night football, Baltimore at Miami. The Dolphins plus seven and a half. The total is 46 and a half. It's certainly not a blockbuster to kick off the week's action, but it certainly is an intriguing matchup. And I just don't know how Miami's 28th ranked defense is going to keep up with Baltimore and their seventh ranked offense, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. I know the Ravens haven't been amazing on defense either, but it doesn't really matter who the, the Dolphins have at QB, whether it's Tua or Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, I just don't think they can get enough going to, to worry the, the Ravens' defense. Uh, I know it's in Miami at, at home. I know they finally won a, a game last week, but let's be honest, putting 17 on the Texans is not a great accomplishment, and the Ravens are a huge upgrade on Houston. The more I think about this game, the stronger this play becomes. When, when I started looking at this uh, about 24 hours ago, it was a lean to Baltimore. It was a, a small play, um, but everything I've seen, I kind of everything that I read, everything that I see, everything that I think about, it becomes a, a stronger play almost minute by minute. Um, it was only a few weeks ago that the Ravens were humbled at home by the Bengals, and and this is still absolutely fresh in my mind. But I just can't get past how much of a better franchise Baltimore is than than Miami. And and I saw uh, ESPN's David Purdom tweet earlier. The Ravens are nine and zip against the spread versus the Dolphins under John Harbour. Uh, and that's the most games any coach has coached versus a single opponent in the Super Bowl era while covering the spread in every game. Uh, and that just goes to show, you know, the, the quality of the, the two franchises. I know that Miami are, are rebuilding, I guess, in some regard, but you know, they're coming from a pretty low base and Baltimore are, are you know, perennial contenders uh in in their division they're you know, a really tough out every week um and, and i'm just really strong one of my plays of the week this week is baltimore minus seven and a half what have you got yeah it's, it's impossible to argue with you and i think like this um like last thursday night this one can get pretty ugly uh despite those struggles on defense um that you mentioned for baltimore and, and now losing to sean elliott for the remainder of the season uh, their safety in their ot win last week they they face a pretty putrid Miami offense, which reported five turnovers against the Texans last week. Um, so that's certainly nothing to write home about against that Houston side. And Baltimore, um, as you mentioned, a dominant record against Miami recently. They've won eight of their last nine meetings. Um, the last three by a combined score of 137 to 16, if you can believe in. Lamar's only matchup in his home state. Uh, the Ravens won 59 to 10 in 2019. And Lamar also had recorded a perfect passer rating of 158.3 in that matchup. And I don't know if it'll be such a blowout this time around, but yeah, I, I think it has to double digit written, a double digit win written all over it for Baltimore. So I'm I'm really, really keen on, on the Ravens to win and win well here. So I'm also taking them minus seven and a half and one of my plays of the week at well, mate. And for me, um, a key player prop for me will be Lamar Jackson as well. Uh, his passer passing um I know you're keen on him as well, potentially even the rushing line, but I, I like him to pass for over 232, uh, 232 and a half yards in this one against Miami's 30th ranked uh, pass uh, defense. And yeah, he hasn't got a shortage of targets. Mark Andrews will have a feast, which I know you'll be banking on as well, mate. And Marquise Brown, I think it's a it's a big game for Lamar. He'll put up some crazy numbers, and and they're able to win big. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a I think it's a big game for the uh, the Baltimore passing game. I, I I like Mark Andrews over four and a half receptions at two dollars thirty five. I like some Marquise Brown 
receiving yards and receptions props as well. Um, and uh, I've got a little bit of a, a same game multi at the end of the show that uh, that we'll touch on in some long shots. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm strong on the Ravens here. Uh, I, like you said, it could be a big big win for for the Ravens, um, and you know it, it's going to take a huge effort for for Miami to to stay in this game. Uh, you know, past halftime, I think. Next up, Jacksonville. At Indianapolis, the Colts minus 10.5. The total is 47.5. Do you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, look, surely the Jags' D can't bring that kind of heat again. And, you know, last last week's performance was, you know, I'm sure we've proven as a flash in the pan. And I think Indy can continue to keep putting up points. They've now scored uh, 30 in over four, uh, four games in a row. And Jonathan Taylor, like I mentioned off the top, he's been in, in genuine MVP form and another 200-yard day from scrimmage last week against the Jets. So... I think he continues on his merry way. Uh, the Colts will come out and win big, and I'm happy to take the ten and a half here from Indy. Yeah, it's, it's a huge discrepancy in talent here, isn't it? But I think even more so mentally and in terms of the the quality of the franchise, the Jags just aren't used to winning. And and how they follow up last week's boil over of the Bills will be a key feature to watch in this one. We, we saw a few weeks ago the Bengals demolished the Ravens in that huge upset in Baltimore. Since then, they've lost to the then one and five New York Jets, and they've been humbled by the local rivals in Cleveland. They're still learning how to consistently win, and, and they don't yet know how to reset after that big victory. And I think the the Jags are a bit the same. I'm, I'm expecting a, a bit of the same kind of follow-up or, or response from the Jacksonville Jaguars here. I think the scoreline for the Colts flattered the Jets last week. It was a 15-point margin, but it probably should have been double that as the Colts allowed the Jets back up backup quarterback some easy points with three touchdowns in the last 16 to 18 minutes of the game like you mentioned Jonathan Taylor is in absolute beast mode and, and stakes his claim to be the the number two running back in the NFL this season after Derek Henry uh, at least pre-injury for for King Henry uh, another 200 scrimmage yard game and two touchdowns Carson Wentz is continuing his rehabilitation tour in Indianapolis. It's another strong showing, 270-plus uh, passing yards and, and three touchdowns through the air as well. I think Indy to win and to win easily here. I'm the same as you, mate. Uh, minus 10.5 for the Colts. Any final thoughts on this one? No, look, I, it, it is a decent line for a team that just beat the Bills, but um, no, I, I think Indy will keep putting up points and and um, just keep on their merry way and, and keep trying to keep touch with uh, Tennessee. Yep, spot on. Uh, Cleveland at New England, the Patriots minus one and a half. The total is 45 and a half. And I swore looking at this game 24 hours ago, I wasn't going to touch it. I wasn't going to touch this game. Uh, the Browns came out after a rough week and demolished the Bengals. Uh, the Pats are unexpectedly on a three-game winning streak and, and they've won four of the last five with that one loss being an overtime defeat to the more fancied Dallas Cowboys. The more I think about it, the more I'm leaning towards the Pats here at home at Foxborough. You know, New England is typically pretty stout at the, at the back, which might lead to some more dysfunctional quarterback play from the still not 100% fit Baker Mayfield. But my concern is the weakness in the Pats' defense is against a strong running game. And we know that historically the Browns like to run the ball, but you know, Kareem Hunt still on IR. We expect him back probably next week. And now Nick Chubb out with uh, with COVID-19. Unless it's a false positive, we're still waiting to hear on some of those secondary tests over the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, but it is a tough one to expect Dearness Johnson to be that guy against 
the Pats defense. Uh, so I'm kind of in on the Pats now. Um, I wasn't going to, but I'm in on New England minus one and a half. What have you got? Yeah, two five and four teams coming into this one. So it, it, it shapes as a crucial clash for both teams that are, are chasing, trying to chase down a division leader. Um, obviously, the Browns coming off their best performance of the season, season having trounced the Bengals 41-16 on the road. They did it on both ends in that game. They, they started it and sparked by Denzel Ward's 99-yard pick six. Uh, Baker had his best game of the season in terms of passer rating. Good for them. Uh, good for him um, after seeing Hotel Beckham released. Um, I don't know if that took a weight off his shoulders or he didn't have to <laughs> try and force him the ball or what it was, but they just looked a bit more, um, yeah, a bit more fluid on offense for whatever reason. And yeah, it doesn't help with Nick Chubb obviously testing positive for COVID, but like you said, it could come back as a false positive. But Jonas Johnson did a great job as the leading back against the Broncos in that game where they were depleted. And, and while, you know, he's, he's a solid running back, he's certainly not a Nick Chubb. And, um, it, it, and, and I can see why he jumped in the Pats for, for that reason. And look, they, they've been solid. They've won four of their last five. They only lost coming to the Cowboys and over time, and they've been unlucky to lose that game. So, yeah, Bill Belichick's turned them around. They are only one and four at home this season. So that's, a, a, I suppose, a, a small concern. They have, played, they have played pretty good teams at home, though. And, um, yeah, it's a tough one to predict. I have no idea which way I'm leaning uh, in terms of which way it'll go head to head. And that's why I've decided on filing, uh, finding the unders here. And 45 and a half, I think, is a pretty decent line for, for two um, pretty solid uh, defences here. And, and I don't mm. know if it'll be much of a, um, a big passing game. So it'll be a fast game if, if the clock keeps running and, and, the run, and the run game is on for both teams. So I'm predicting a, a pretty low-scoring uh, dogfight here. So I'm happy to play under 45 and a half. But like I said, no idea who'll win this game. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to play the others here. But it, it's a tough one to pick. And, and hopefully the, it is the Browns, so they do keep us in the, the AC North race. But yeah, I can easily see why you're living with the Pats at yeah, I, I actually agree with you, and, and you know, I understand that the reasoning going the unders there. I think I w- I would prefer another point and a half, maybe two points, uh, on that total to, to be really confident on the under. But uh, certainly, certainly agree with you in, in terms of that context. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not expecting a a shootout by any means. Next up, Atlanta at Dallas. The Cowboys minus nine. The total is fifty-five. Yeah, it was too bad to be true last week for Dallas, and I and I don't envision that being carried into this week. Uh, as good as the Falcons were last week, there, there's no way they can they can be trusted at this stage. And I still think they're a bottom six team in the league compared to a, a Cowboys who rank on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I'll be very surprised if the Falcons can keep up with the Cowboys in this one. It is a it is a highish line. I was hoping for around that touchdown mark, but. Um, I've got a lot more confidence in Dallas and Atlanta. I think uh, it's a bounce back week for Dak and the Cowboys. So I'll play Dallas minus nine here, mate. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a tough week for the Cowboys, a disastrous loss at home against the Von Millerless Denver Broncos. Yeah, they almost shut out. I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty horrible to watch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, fans of, of America's team just quietly starting to doubt them boys' championship credentials. I, I'm in a few. Philly smile sports. on your face while you say that. Oh, mate, I love it. I love it. But yeah, I'm, I, you can't read too much into it. But I'm in a couple of Philly sports groups. And for some reason, there seems to be a lot of Cowboys fans in Philly. And uh, it's really annoying, especially wow, this season. Yeah. It's really annoying. But they are they were up in arms a little bit uh, 
during this week, and yeah, a little bit of, of doubt is creeping into the minds of the uh, the Cowboys fans. But I'm not sure they've got much to worry about this week against one of the league's worst defensive units. Even though they had their own upset win last week against uh, their division rivals in New Orleans, for the Falcons, this task defensively is very different. Um, Dak and his offensive colleagues were poor in almost all facets of the game last week. But let's not kid ourselves that this was an aberration. Uh, and I expect them to bounce back big time, like you said, in a, in a big, big way this week. I, I'm the same as you, mate. I, I think Dallas minus nine is the play. And I, I think this could be you know, a, a, a letdown game for the Falcons, but a bounce back game for the Cowboys. And, and that doesn't bode well for the Falcons in terms of uh, letting some points on the board from that that uh, pretty dynamic Cowboys offense. Uh, Buffalo at the Jets, New York plus 13. The total is 47.5. What have you got for us? Yeah, look, it's it's a bounce back week for the uh, the Bills and it starts here against their division foes. They probably suffered the upset of the season last week as we touched on off the top. And all of a sudden, the AFC East doesn't look as secure as it once did with the Patriots only just a half game behind now. And Look, they could only muster 300 total yards against Jacksonville, and they they conceded a whopping 12 penalties for 118 yards. So that crippled them, crippled them on both sides, and it's hard to see them kind of turning into performance like that again, especially against the Jets' defense that ranks in both uh, last in both points and yards allowed per game, and has conceded uh, an average of over 43 points over the last three weeks. So uh, it was a, it was a massive drop off for the for the Jets last week, of course, after beating the Bengals and probably. The other upset of the season, it, um, yeah, they just turned in an absolute stinker against the Colts and they were down um, by 30-plus in that game before a couple of young-time touchdowns, as you mentioned, uh, saved them and made the scoreline a lot more respectable and, and for where the game stood. So, yeah, look, I'd love to take the Bills um, and, and, and ride them here with a big bounce-back win, but after seeing that last week, I don't think I can. So I'm just going to sit out of this one and it's a no-play for me. Well, I know you love your stats and trends, so I've, I found a couple <laughs> for you this week. Normally, it's you that, that brings these know, to, to the table, but but uh, I found a couple this week that, that I like. And since 2018, Buffalo uh, eight and three as away favourite, but just six and five against the spread under the same conditions. They're 10, 10 and one against the spread after a loss. And given the incredibly confusing performance and outcome last week against the Jags, you couldn't possibly bet the Bills spread here, could you? I mean, I guess you could because I am going to do that. The, with this line under two touchdowns, you know, like the Cowboys last week was an aberration, uh, I, I think the Bills, again, will bounce back with a big win. Um, since 2018, the Bills are three and zip away to the Jets, outscoring New York 76-36. to 36. Granted, that did include a 41-10 to 10 thumping, but the fact remains that the Bills are a much better team than New York over this, this last three or four-year period. Um, they've got the wood over the Jets at the Jets' home stadium, uh, and the and Buffalo are just a much better franchise. They suffered an incredibly shocking defeat last week, as we know, and and they will right the ship here. I think this line under two touchdowns is a play. If it hits 14, then I downgrade it to a lean or a small play, but while it's at 13 or 13 and a half even, it's a pretty big play uh, in my books. Any final thoughts on this yeah, one? Yeah, no, it's hard to argue, mate. And like I said, I, I, I would love to jump all over that Bills line. They've, they've also dominated the division. They haven't lost. Uh, they've won eight straight, I should say, uh, against AFC East opponents. So, yeah, look, I think that continues on whether or not they, they go full throttle and, and, and wallop them like we expect. But, 
Yeah, I just think after seeing last week, I have to see that. <laughs> so I'm a bit traumatised <laughs> after last week. So yeah, I'll, no, I get uh, it. Leave this one to you, mate. No worries at all. Uh, New Orleans at Tennessee. The Tennessee Titans minus three. The total is forty-four and a half. As you touched on uh, a little bit earlier with Atlanta, the Saints were terrible last week, but we know that that can happen occasionally in those big division rivalry games. So I'm trying not to read too much into that one. The week before, they dumped the Bucks when when Trevor Simeon came in mid-game to replace Jameis Winston uh, following that ACL. Meanwhile, the Titans impressed in their first full game without the rushing king. And while Derrick Henry is unquestionably, unquestionably irreplaceable, they were able to get somewhat some sort of production out of their new three-headed beast in Donta Foreman, Adrian Peterson, and Jeremy McNichols. McNichols. The Saints' rush defense is, is better than the Rams' is at the moment, so the Titans are going to need more out of Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, and, and the rest of the receiving core. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Saints' plus line here. It's a no-play for me at the moment, but if it comes out to three and a half, I probably will play it. Unfortunately, it looks to be coming in the other way. So if that trend continues at, at the flat three, if it comes into minus two and a half, uh, it's, a, it's a no-play. But uh, if it does come back out to that three and a half or more, then it's a play for me. What about you? Yeah, I agree, mate. I think I think the Saints are sneaky here. It just has to be a let off, uh, you know, a letdown week, I should say, for mm. the Tennessee Titans, especially without Derrick Henry. It's going to fall apart. You're not fall apart, but you know, they're sitting at seven two. They've just come off a, a ridiculously tough month, um, which they've won all those games and 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 ticked all those boxes. I mean, they were unreal on defense against the Rams, mm. who we thought would have. I did. I, I tipped the Rams to cover the spread, and after those two Matthew Stafford kicks, it was almost impossible task. I mean, the defense really, really showed up for the Titans and, and took away probably some of their inefficiencies on offense. I mean, AJ Brown had a really poor game where he had a few um, characteristic drops. Uh, I wouldn't call the three-headed beast a, a beast yet. Um, <laughs> they had a pretty poor game. Uh, they couldn't really get too much going um, on the, in the run game uh, with, with the three that you mentioned. But And that Saints defense, we know they just got kind of carved up by the Falcons last week, but they're a pretty mm. stout defense and, and certainly um, one to be reckoned with. And I think they can they can fire up on the road here and beat the Titans. But yeah, I just don't have any confidence um, to play in this one. So I, it's also a no play for me, mate. But uh, if it does get out to that three and a half, four, I'm certainly playing in the Saints as well. But at this stage, I'm going to stay out and no play. Yeah, well, we asked the question last week uh, following Kyle Pitts' big game, the the previous week. Actually, no, it was Stefan Gilmore that, that kind of blanketed Pitts the previous week uh, as the Falcons took on Carolina. But uh, we asked last week who was going to be that guy for, for New Orleans, and it was Marshall Lattimore that, that kind of shadowed Kyle Pitts and did a pretty good job. I expect him to go to AJ Brown. Uh, it was some of the other, I guess, the less heralded. as well. And he, and yeah, he did, he did a very good job. It was some of those, you know, lesser lights, unheralded, receivers in the uh, in the Falcons offense that that kind of uh, took some of the limelight I suppose with uh, with Pitts uh, not able to make some plays in that game but it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether it's Lattimore that goes to AJ Brown I think it probably is but um, there's a number of talented guys in that Titans offense it's going to be really interesting to see how that uh, New Orleans Saints uh, defense lines up any final thoughts on that one no look yeah, like I said, I think it's it's the Tennessee Titans deserve to be favourites and, and at home, but and they do have the best record in the AFC. I just feel like there has to be a letdown. Um, they've been up for a long time, like I said, and they've played some incredibly tough teams. All last four have been uh, made the playoffs last year, so this is a fifth in a row now. 
that are, that are playoff team from last year. So I just feel like they could be a letdown this week, um, but no other re- reason to that other than that. I mean, the Titans, like I said, deserve to be favourites, but uh, at this stage, yeah, if the line gets out, I'd, I'd be happy to play the Saints. Yep, yep, agreed. Tampa Bay at Washington, Washington plus 9.5. The total is 51.5. Really should play Tampa Bay here, but honestly, I just don't care about this game at all yeah at this spread i think the line is spot on i think the total is spot on i'm just not interested in really anything about this game how about you yeah the only interest for me it will be fantasy perspective and and hopefully there's a lot of points scored and that's why i'm going with this one i think um that washington defense still is horrible uh, we know the buck secondary is a little bit depleted still uh, and washington can still put some points up through the air look i i think it's an over an overs game here. I think Tampa, you know, Brady throws another three for the touchdowns and, and uh, Leonard Fournette adds a couple more. So if that's the case, then I think it's, it goes over and goes over pretty comfortably. Um, two teams coming off the bye will be fresh. Hopefully, yeah, there would be a big bit of a shootout. Again, no interest or care in who wins the game or how it happens in that regard. I just want some season points. Yeah, I agree, actually. Over, over a couple of teams, I've got, uh, combinations of Terry McLaurin, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Gibson. So if it's a high-scoring game, I think I'll be pretty happy. I'm not sure if I'm going to play Antonio Gibson this week or if I'm going to keep him on the bench. But uh, well, they I are think very good against the run. Uh, that's right. Uh, so be careful. I, that. I do think been, both McLaurin been taking a lot of his carries. He has, hasn't he? And I think you know Gibson was good in in the first month of the season, but since he had that. You know, hairline fracture yeah, or, or whatever back, yeah, it is. He hasn't, hasn't looked the same. Yeah, he doesn't look the same kind of dynamic playmaker that we saw last year. But uh, I'm pretty big on uh, on Scary Terry and and uh, Lenny Fournette to have big games. So I, I agree with you. I think that the overs is maybe the play here, but it's uh, it's a decent total for you know the Tampa Bay defense and the potential of the Washington defense, which I think scares me away. <laughs> you keep talking about that word potential. Uh, yeah, it hasn't it been proven yet. I mean, I was it hasn't has it play, play the football team against the Broncos in that disgusting game, and I'm still sick by that. And, and they Damn. had to, Denver just let Washington have a chance in that game, and they just couldn't take it. So, um, no, I think Tampa just come out and, and yeah, after after that let down last uh, before the bye against the Saints, um, uh, TB will fly it up for a big one. Going a, a little off script, and we haven't really touched on it really at all this season. We probably should have done something last last week in the halfway mark, but in terms of the biggest disappointments of the season, that Washington defense has got to be up there. That's probably my biggest disappointment of the season. I was really looking forward, yeah, as someone who hates Washington, I was really looking forward to seeing how that how that defense kind of uh, molded together for you know, another year together, and and uh, those guys that are so strong and so powerful. Um, I was really expecting big things from them, and, and it's, that's been super disappointing. But um, is there is there a bigger disappointment for you this season in the NFL? No, I don't think so. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Washington is certainly right up there as the biggest disappointment, but more on that defensive side than, than the offensive mm. side, of course. But as a as a whole, I think they've just been a, a really disappointing team. As has Miami Dolphins. I think um, after coming to that conversation, they were a ten win team last season. Yeah. They did. Only just barely missed the playoffs, um, but they did win ten games, and they're sitting on two. They're, they're two and seven. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a huge drop off by Miami. It, it's a chance Brian Flores doesn't 
doesn't make uh, next year as well. So, yeah, look, there's a lot going on in Miami. I think they're a huge disappointment after um, the strides they took on both sides of the ball last year. So that'd probably be my AFC team. And, and Washington, yeah, I think would have to be upright up with the NFC team as the most disappointing for sure. Yep, fair call, fair call. Uh, next up, Detroit at Pittsburgh. The steal is minus eight and a half. The total is 43. Have you got anything in this game? So this is the one. This is the one. Oh, this is the one I really want to take you on. And, uh, and it's because <laughs> of my lack of faith in Pittsburgh. They did have one four in a row. But um, I think that line even might have even gone out to nine, to be honest. I saw nine somewhere, unless it's come in from nine to eight and a half. I'm not too sure. But look, around that nine, eight and a half mark, I'm almost happy to play the lines here. But I don't want to make a dick out of myself, so I'm going to say out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I want to take you on just for a bit of uh, a bit of banter, but um, I can't be can't be um, just throwing throwing anything at at it. So look, I, I have no faith in Detroit. They're zero and eight after all. So let's let's maybe just let this one go through to the keeper, and, and we watch um we watch hopefully a. a, a Actually, we won't watch this game, let's be honest. It's, it's disgusting. But <laughs> I feel like the game could be close because of the low scoring in it. But, again, I'm not going to play the unders. I think that line mm. is trapped. So, uh, yeah, I'll sit down. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I think, you know, like you said, the Steelers on a four-game winning streak. I, I think that this streak continues at home. The, the Lions are, are horrible. You know, we know that they're horrible. We expected them to be horrible, and they are. Uh, I'm not sure too much more needs to be said. At, at eight and a half, I'm playing the Steelers. You know, at, at nine, nine and a half or, or more, I'm probably not. But uh, mm. at eight, at eight and a half, under a, a touchdown, a field goal, I'm, I'm having a, a little play at that one. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the reason I as well is like they're just coming off obviously by, but before that, they was they were smashed by your boys, the Eagles, and, and Detroit this year have kind of been up and down. They they've had that one good game where they cover or you know they put in mm. a decent performance. So. I'm just thinking it could be like a late Jared Goff junk time touchdown to make the cover. But, you know, that's all it would take. It wouldn't be where Detroit are in front all game and Pittsburgh yeah. snatch it at the end. I don't see it kind of playing out that way. It's it's a controlled lead for Pittsburgh and Detroit get a late touchdown or something to, to cover. But so for that reason, I'm, I will stay out, but I did want to take one. <laughs> well, we never know. You never know. You might change your mind over the Might change my mind. If that weekend. goes out tonight, like I said, if that goes out tonight, and a half, I'm happy to play, but you probably won't. So yeah, that's right. Have a head to head it's, here, so it's right on that we'll borderline, isn't it? We'll just it? let that disgusting game go. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Minnesota at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus three. The total is fifty-two and a half. I really want to take the Chargers here. I really, really, really want to take the Chargers here, but I can't. Even though it seems like the entire city of Minnesota is in COVID isolation and protocols, I think they have twenty-nine players and coaches in isolation as we record this podcast, I believe, uh, even though I think most of them will probably be fine, if not all of them, but it just seems like such a mess in Minnesota. Um, in the last month, the Chargers just scraped past the Browns. They were thumped by the Ravens. They lost to the Pats, and they just scraped past the Eagles, which is not exactly a stunning form line out of LA. And the Vikings will, like we've touched on multiple times over the last month or so, and, and at the top of this show tonight, we know that they're the Vikings. They're so consistently inconsistent that nobody knows exactly what's going to what's going to come out of the Vikings on offense or defense, uh, except for poor management and poor play calling, as as we spoke about earlier. It's a no play for me just because I I don't know what to expect out of either team at the moment. I think the Chargers, I know the Chargers are a better team. 
but I just don't trust them right now. How about you? Yeah, look, that last month is, is pretty damning for the Chargers. They started off the season hot and they've, yeah, they've certainly wavered the last couple of weeks. I mean, I was, I was down the Chargers last week and they only just got that cover with the late field goal and, and yeah, it was just never in control, was it, against the Eagles? They, they kind of, they, they, they were always looked like they were going to win the game, but they were never yep. like in control. And it was, um, yeah, I'd like, would have liked to see the Chargers put them away. They are sitting on top of the AFC West, but if they lose this game, and the other results go against them. They could be last in the, mm. in the, in the division. So, like, it's it's one of those things. So, um, we've, we've probably touched on enough about Minnesota and, and off the top of the show. And, look, the other the only other thing we haven't mentioned about Minnesota is the Dalvin Cook situation if he plays mm. and what's going on there. So, look, I still think there's points of plenty in these because I don't rate either of these defences. Um, the Chargers are terrible against the run. I think the worst in the league. And, um, obviously, if Cook does play, uh, even with, if he doesn't, uh, Alexander Matheson can put up some big numbers. And I, I think it's a bit of a shootout uh, in this one. And again, hard to, hard to be confident with either team the result market. So I'll be a degenerate and play the overs here and go over 50 points. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can't argue with that, really. Uh, next up is Carolina at Arizona. The Cardinals minus 10. The total is 44 and a half. What have you got for us in this one? Yeah, it's it's an easy one if, if we know the status of Kyler Murray, isn't it? Mm. I think um, because of that thing up in the air, I think we we'll sit out here. It is a large line, but we know how bad the, the Carolina Panthers are going lately. They just wouldn't have, it's, a, it's a long way back from when they were 3-0, isn't it? And Sam Darnold was on top of the world, rushing in touchdowns left, right and centre. He was, he was dominating now. He's, um, he's had those uh, ghosts, I suppose, Come back to haunt him against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and now he's um, hurt his shoulder and he'll be out for potentially the rest of the year. I'm not too sure, but he definitely won't play this week. So, um, yeah, hard hard one for Carolina to come into Arizona against the best team in the league uh, in terms of record wise, at least anyway, and, and get a result. So, yeah, if Kyler Murray was a certain starter, it's a it's an easy minus ten play, I think, for Arizona to stay to, to stay out. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the Cardinals were, were impressive last week oh, with right. uh, with Colt McCoy. Um, you know, was uh, he looked very good. I mean, we know he's been around for a while. He knows he knows what it's all about. But uh, yeah, he certainly know Kyler Murray. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you, mate. I'm waiting to hear about Kyler Murray. I'm interested to see what happens to that line once he's announced in or out. Um, you know, other books at minus ten, other books expecting him to play. Or is that the Colt McCoy line for uh, for the Cardinals? It's a very I'm, good question. It's hard to know, isn't it? Because yeah, because of how bad the Panthers have been. That could very well be the Colt McCoy line, and, and we could see you know that extend to 13, 14 with with Kyle Murray under centre. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is still day to day. AJ Green should be back. Uh, Chase Edmonds won't be. He's on IR yep. now, which another killer of my fantasy going out in the first snap of the game or first drive of the game last week. It was great so, for me with uh, with starting James Conner. So oh, I was happy with that. bananas, didn't he? And, and it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic works now with James Conner mm. as the lead back because he was really that red zone red zone player for, for the Cardinals. And and now with his workload obviously being increased, it'll be interesting to see him go. Uh, Eno Benjamin was a decent backup to him last week. So yep. it'll be interesting to see how they all... That all works for the Cardinals' offense, but yeah, that offense looks to be humming. No matter who's who's on the on the field at the moment, they they're doing some good things. And yeah, I think hard to underestimate how good that win was last week against the Lions. Mm. And we know 
they're struggling a bit, 49ers, but that was a comprehensive win. Um, yeah, we both we both were keen on Arizona, even without Kyler last week. So that was one of the saving graces for us last week. Yep. A pretty dismal one, but yeah, I wish we had a bit more confidence and, and played them a bit harder. But yeah, Arizona are looking the goods and I think they continue on here. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think if if you think Kyler Murray is going to play, and especially if he's announced as the starter for the Cardinals and that, that line sticks around that 10 mark, then uh, I think that's a, a big play for the Cards. Um, but we'll just wait and see how that plays out over the weekend. Uh, Seattle at Green Bay, the Packers minus three and a half. The total is 50. There are some big questions about this one. Yeah, huge questions. And and, and again, we, we can't probably make a decision until we know who's under centre, especially for... Green Bay, I think we know that Russell Wilson's going to play, which is awesome mm-hmm. for the Seahawks and, and their, and their second half of the season. They could make a late run at it. Um, you know, they only beat the Jags before their bye, but it was pretty dominant. And, and their defense is getting better as it did last year. They started off so badly. Um, we're in the track to record the most yards against ever. Uh, and then turned it around to be really quite a decent off, uh, defense at the end of the year. And, you know, it has a, has a similar script to it. Obviously, they haven't been humming on offense like they were last year. Um, but, yeah, it, it's an interesting one to go into Lambeau where the Packers won nine of their last 10 games. They've been dominant. But it is only Jordan Love under center. And, and uh, he, did a, he did well enough, obviously, to keep them in touch with Kansas City Chiefs last week. Um, they hadn't scored until halfway through the last quarter, and, and yet they were still in the game. And, um, that just says more about that Green Bay defense and how well they've been without two key pieces this year as well. So, uh, Green Bay are legit. Uh, no doubt about that, and, and still one of the teams to beat in the NFC. And I think they probably have enough to win at home, even if Jordan Love potentially is under centre, but I can't play in that game confidently knowing if Aaron Rodgers is over there or not. So uh, no play, but it's definitely a play if Aaron suits up. Yeah, I guess it's a similar question to the last game. I wonder if that, you know, that, that minus three and a half, is that the Jordan Love line or is that the Aaron Rodgers line? Um it seems like Rogers will play, but you don't know until you know. Uh, like you said, Jordan Love wasn't disgraced, but he's clearly not, you know, based on last week, he's not the heir apparent to oh, Aaron right. Rodgers in, in Green he's Bay. Not even and probably at the level yet where he needs to be, but. Well, that, that's right. And it's still enough. They, and they helped him with the play design, didn't they? And, it, well, um, yeah, spot on. Spot on. I, I think, you know, Russell Wilson back for the for the Seahawks is huge. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for the fans. Yep. No matter what you think about the Seahawks, no matter what you think about Russell Wilson, you know, you want to see the best players in the league playing. And Russell Wilson is certainly one of the best players in the league. Uh, it has been for a very long time. They said when when he uh, suffered that injury a month ago that he was going to be out six to eight weeks, and he's coming back in four weeks, which is pretty amazing and, and testament to the, the the sort of preparation and, and work ethics that uh, that has Russell Wilson held in, in such high regard around the league. But, yeah, I mean, like you, mate, no play until the Rogers news is in. Um, and even once that's in, I'm not sure. I'm just going to have to watch that line and see what happens once uh, once the starter is announced for Green Bay. But uh, it, it's an, an interesting watch for sure, whether there's yeah, a, a play or not uh, and for, a number, um... for a number of reasons. Another destination we probably didn't mention. It, it what these could be the teams that um, we see Odell Beckham Jr. land at this at this stage. We're thinking the Packers are probably the front runners, but Seattle 
um, after some interesting comments from Pete Carroll, he was a bit coy, but it was it was kind of intriguing how he how he, he worded it. And look, I, I, I can see that fit happening. Um, obviously, they've got really Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but he, he might be a nice fit in Seattle. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where OBJ does land, but um, the Seahawks would be a good one. Obviously, the Packers and, and the one we, we both think is the Saints. But, uh, yeah, look, two teams that could potentially be uh, have um, number 13 um, on their roster soon enough. So, uh, unlike Pete Carroll to be coy, in, uh, in any press conferences. But, um, I mean, look, the Odell Beckham Jr. thing is is a really interesting one. I mean, we, we know that he hasn't been fit and healthy for, for quite a while, but if you can get, you know, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. into that Seattle offense with Russell Wilson, with Tyler Lockett, with DK Metcalf, uh, we know that Chris Carson is out. Um, but does that – does Odell Beckham Jr. make – the Seattle passing game, the most dynamic in the NFL, if he's fit and healthy? Uh, you'd, ha- you'd have to think so. I mean, if Russell Wilson, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, with those three receivers, it'll probably fall in the top 20, 25. I mean, that's pretty potent, isn't it? I mean, that's as good as it gets. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you'd have to, have to think so. It's a pretty, pretty threatening type of uh, scenario for for the rest of the, the league to have, you know, those three receivers, um, you know, downfield from, from Russell Wilson. But I think, you know, there's a couple of other other franchises. You look at the Rams and the talent they've got on offense uh, around Matt Stafford and, and those guys would probably argue about the, the talent on offense there. But, I mean, they'd have to go close if you add OBJ into that offense uh, in terms of being the most dynamic offense in the league. Uh Philadelphia at Denver. Denver minus two and a half. The total is 45 and a half. It's no play for me. What have you got? No, it's a no play for me as well, mate. Look, um, I I dabbled in the Philly game last week and, and came up trumps, but that's um, I'm, I'm not that silly to, to double down there. I don't think I'll, I will. To, <laughs> not going to be back honest, to the well. Think, yeah, I think Philly could win this. Um, and if anything, I was actually leaning to the plus there. Of Philly, I mean, as we as we mentioned earlier, I think the Denver result was a bit of an aberration, and mm. I don't see that kind of result. Um, you know, well, they won't certainly play as well as they did last week again. And um, while they probably have enough to beat Philly as well, I, I just think to start there in two teams again, as you've mentioned countless times on the show, two teams that are pretty ordinary playing in a low line game, you usually take the underdog and take the points, and that's probably where my head was at. Originally, but as we know, um, Billy Aaron no go zone. But <laughs> uh, last week was a special occasion, but I won't double down and go Philly here. So I know play for me as well. Fair enough. Makes sense. Sunday night football, Kansas City at Las Vegas. The Raiders plus two and a half. The total is 51 and a half. I saw Adam Chernoff of covers.com tweeted the following during the week. I don't love it, but I must bet it. And I... I'm kind of exactly the same sentiment here. I, I don't want to play the Chiefs, but I'm going to because in previous matchups between these two franchises, the line was 11 and 8 favoring the Chiefs. So to have this line less than a field goal on the Chiefs here seems a bit like robbery. And I, I know that this isn't the Kansas City Chiefs that we've become accustomed to over the last two or three years. I, I know that, but I also think that they are still 
a much better franchise than the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs, in a scrap, got over the Giants by three points a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last week, the Raiders were upset by those same Giants by seven points. They've been really underwhelming this season, the Chiefs, but I'm taking the class at what seems like an overreaction uh, to the spread here. Kansas City minus two and a half. Like I said, seems like a bit of uh, a little bit of robbery. What have you got? Yeah, look, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. And I'm on the exact same page as you. Uh, the Raiders were false favourites last week. I think I, I wasn't bold enough to play the Giants, but mm-hmm. uh, look, the Chiefs are start. They're starting to do a little bit on defence, and and they've kept their opponents pretty pretty quiet the last few weeks. Um, obviously, they held Green Bay to just one touchdown. The Giants, um, they held them to roughly or around that 20-point mark the week before, um, and even before then, they were they were starting to get on the right track. And, and I think they can turn that around, and, and they have. They're just um, not clicking on offense, as we know. But, you know, they, like I said, it, it starts that the Chiefs have given the Raiders in past seasons. This seems like probably, like you said, a two-and-a-half against these two teams and, and the franchises and what we know about these franchises, I think, is... Um, is a really nice play here. Look, the Chiefs getting away from home, just getting on the road, being um, getting camaraderie there. I think it's just a, it says a lot for them, and I think they'll they'll go onto the road here and win, and win well. Uh, minus two and a half is a very much a, a get on for me, and, and I'm, I like the unders here too. I think it, it's it's one of those. It's going to be a bit more of a dower affair rather than hmm. the high scoring uh, Raiders and Chiefs we're used to. So I'm happy to play the Chiefs here and. Also have a double of the under one of my long shots this week. Interesting, interesting. Don't mind it, but not going to play that myself. Um, next up, Monday Night Football, the Los Angeles Rams at San Francisco. The nine is plus three and a half. The total is 48 and a half. And this might be my strongest play of the week. I feel like this spread should be probably double what it is. The Rams are a powerhouse all over the field. They're seven and two primed for a big playoff run. Their only two losses so far this season have come to the also 7-2 and two Titans and the 8-1 and one Cardinals. So the form line out of LA is very strong. The Niners, on the other hand, 3-5, and five, bottom of the division, and just lost to the Cardinals without their franchise quarterback, without their number one running back. The Niners' three wins have all come against teams with losing records, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Chicago. This is a super simple play here. Let's not overthink this. Like I said, the, the spread should be closer to a touchdown, if not a touchdown or more, despite it being in San Francisco. This is looking at the fixture and the schedule. This was straight away the easiest play, uh, looking at all the spreads at all the games. The Rams minus three and a half. Uh, is I think my biggest play of the week. How about you? Yeah, it was the first one I put in the spreadsheet as well, mate. I was I was thinking exactly the same lines. I thought that would be at least around that six mark, and if not, up to a touchdown. And, and to be honest, I'd probably take him up to a minus a flat seven. Uh, LA. There's no way. Too. Yeah, there's no way the the forty nine should be only within three and a half here. And the fact what they did last week and, and the putridness that they showed and that that they just laid an egg against the Cardinals essentially, where they had everything. You know, in their favour, big win at home, big game, and they just shut the bed. And I think the Rams don't throw in two games like that. Sean McVay mm. won't let that happen. Um, obviously, other than those two picks from Matthew Stafford on consecutive drives, it was it wasn't a bad performance by the Rams. 
Um, the Titans are better, but we know the weapons that the Rams have. We know the the um, the, the opponents that they've played compared to the 49ers, as you just touched on. And look, I, I was very keen on the Rams as, as soon as I saw that minus three and a half as well, mate. So we might have to have that even as our lock. And look, I, I, I think they win big and, and Von Miller will, will most likely debut this week as well, getting the next boost as well. So uh, the 49ers, they failed to cover the line in five of the last six games and they've lost eight of their last nine at home. So that's enough for me to go plonk and uh, I think I think the Rams win, win well. Yeah, I agree. I th- you know, we, we mentioned uh, the overreaction to the, the Chiefs being underwhelming and, and that line... Uh, being very short at the two and a half for the Chiefs, but yeah, I, I think that this Rams line at the three and a half is is easily an, an overreaction to their loss last week. And, and like you said, they weren't bad. The Titans were just better, and, and we know how good the Titans are. We, they've gotten better on defense. They're a really strong, dynamic offense, even without Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I, I just think that the, the Titans are a really good team at the moment. They're a really good franchise. Uh, the Rams, I think, are better. I think they 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 are a better franchise than the Titans. Uh, it was just a down week, and and the Titans were better on the day. But you know, I think that they're quite easily a touchdown better team than the Niners, even in San Francisco. Uh, and I, to be honest, it probably eyes, works in their favour, LA, because how bad they've been at home. Yeah, before. yeah, potentially. That's so, a, yeah, a good no, stat. Like, yeah. I, I I like you. I, I was shocked that the line was only three and a half. So. Hopefully it's a gift for us and we're not getting trapped into something that we shouldn't be. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a big play. Well, it sounds like it sounds like that's our lock. It, it does – now that you've said it, it does feel a little bit like a trap. But, I mean, I just <laughs> – I, I really feel like that line should be a touchdown. Uh, and, and like you said, even if that was a flat seven, um, I'm probably still playing that because I think they win by more than a touchdown. Uh, so yeah, we're happy to go with that then. I think I, I think that's that's lock of the week. Yeah, we're both keen on the Ravens as well, but at that mm-hmm. at that lower line, I think it's pretty much half the line. We'll we'll, we'll take the Rams. I think so, and and, just and as we need and we're getting four more points. Exactly right, and we need this one to uh, to get back to parity after we we'd had a had a, a good stretch, we got um, back in front getting we've lost getting in front. Team, but uh, yeah, that that one last week was uh, disappointing to say the least. Uh, but you know, if we get this one, then we're back to uh, back to five hundred. So fingers crossed, we can uh, get back in the winning books, uh, both of us, and uh, and lock of the week. If uh, if we're on the same page, you know, we're on the same page for a lot of this stuff. So if one of us has a good week, then chances are both of us do. And there's uh, there's well, some like money last in the week, we both have a wipeout. <laughs> That's the uh, that's the alternate ending that we don't talk we about. Talk about no. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed though. Uh, best bets and long shots uh, for any new listeners. Thanks to uh, some of those other Aussie NFL podcasts that we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, this is the part of the show where we go through our, those games and we pick out our best three. We pick out a couple of long shots of uh, three bucks or more. And uh, a player prop or two, if there is one that we like. Um, do you want to kick us off with your three best? Yep. Uh, as I mentioned, Baltimore were one of mine. So Baltimore minus seven and a half. LA Rams minus three and a half. And I also want the points best in the shootout of Tampa Bay, Washington, 51 and a half uh, over there. So uh, they're my three, mate. Uh, my long shot this week, I'll be taking that alternate line um, that's open at tab at the moment of minus eight and a half for Baltimore into over 47 and a half. I think it could be a big blowout win for Baltimore, and that's at $4. 
Uh, and then the other one I mentioned just before, Kansas City. Uh, they just need a win. That's a flat. Mm. And then into under 51 and a half at 320. And I'm going to my play props as well, mate. So, yeah, I've, I've jumped on two here because I want to play early. Um, so I'll get myself one for tomorrow morning, the Thursday, uh, Friday, Thursday night football game, and then jump on the Sunday slate. Lamar Jackson over 233 yards passing. And the other one I like that I saw in the Vegas book, so with DraftKings, Jared Cook over three and a, uh, over 31 and a half yards against that Minnesota defense. I think, um, you know, two or three targets will get in over that line. So I'll play those two, mate. Always, always good for, for one or two little chunk plays, Jared Cook at, at tight end. I I'll, don't mind that at all. But uh, no, I'm pretty similar to you, mate. I've gone uh, my three best, Baltimore minus seven and a half. The Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half and the LA Rams at minus three and a half. No totals this week for me. I haven't been having too much luck on the, the points totals so far this season. So I'm going to stay away uh, yeah, again this weekend. for about a month, I reckon. So yeah, see. we've we've been we've been on such a good trend until obviously until last week with the uh with the spreads that mm. you know just kind of keep that going and hope hope last week was just Upset week for us as it was for uh, for the NFL, but uh, long shots. I've got a couple here. I've got Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, hundred plus receiving yards, and one or more touchdowns at six dollars fifty for Baltimore. Uh, and I've gone a, a same game multi in the Atlanta Dallas game. Dallas nine and a half into Cordero Patterson over forty and a half receiving yards into over two and a half total field goals for the game. Uh, both teams. So that's at $5. Um, and I really like that combination. Uh, and my player prop, as I mentioned earlier, Mark Andrews over four and a half receptions at $2.35. If you don't like that uh, that line, those odds at the, at the, the plus $2 mark, there is also a market for over three and a half at $1.59. It's a little bit short for me, so I'd rather go the uh, the extra reception. You'll be catching that, five. You'll be catching I would five. have thought chuck so. Chuck to over four in your same game multi. I like your little uh, four-legger here, mate. Do you want to run us through that one? Yeah, it's just, just a little one that I found. I was having to play around today. It's not an official play for me, but I, I do like this little four-legger uh, tomorrow morning, Thursday Night Football, Baltimore at Miami. The Ravens minus seven and a half into Marquise Brown anytime touchdown into Marquise Brown over 60 and a half receiving yards into Mark Andrews over 50 and a half receiving yards like we touched on at the top of the week 10 preview. Uh, I think this could be a big game for the Baltimore passing and receiving game. So, you know, if, if you agree with that, um, when I put that together, you know, we hadn't consulted around our, our plays and, you know, wouldn't be uh, against adding that Lamar Jackson passing yard prop. Just keep adding the league, either. mate. Just, just, it'll just keep building it. It'll come. But, yeah, I'll, I really keep like Keep adding that. the value but taking, yeah. yeah, adding the juice as well. So uh, I like that little four-legger, mate. I think that's worth a little tweet out um, for our listeners because, um, yeah, we could even get onto the, to the popular page, I reckon. We could build that in because uh, we can get our – our hundreds of loyal listeners to jump on that, but I, I really <laughs> like that at, at a double figure odds. It's, it's yeah, well, that's that's a nice 12, way to watch the game tomorrow. At twelve bucks on Sportsbet, you can uh, power play that up to about fourteen bucks. Uh, I think on Sportsbet, but yeah, as always, shop around and see if you can get a couple of extra cents or an extra dollar here and there. It's always the best strategy. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to fall into the 
loyalty to one bookie because you know they're easy to use or they're the app that you've got or you've got funds in in that account but you know your best strategy is always to shop around and find the best value um you know in terms of minimizing your risk uh, across the board uh, as we touched on before talking about punting is a mugs game the the entire industry is uh dependent on punters losing so that's how it's built and uh you know if you can if you can get an extra 25 30 40 cents um then it's probably worth shopping around and and taking that value uh but that probably brings us to the end of the show any final thoughts on week 10 mate now look as i said um off the top have to be confident this week after the the disaster that was last (laughs) week i know it doesn't make so much sense but yeah, I think, I think we can get back on track this week, starting with tomorrow morning's game or tomorrow afternoon's game now with that time zone change. And I, I think Baltimore will get us off to a winning start and we keep rolling from there, mate. Well, without an official head-to-head at this point, that's probably our head-to-head that you're confident and I'm not. And uh, <laughs> given we're on the same page on a lot of these games, it's uh, it's either really good or really bad for us. So I'll send you uh, a tweet if I am if I change my mind about Detroit. I'll have a think over the next couple of days and, and see if we can get a head-to-head one. Sounds good. If anything changes, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll jump on Twitter as always. And, uh, yeah, we'd love for you to, to get on board and, and tweet us, you know, based on our picks or your picks, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk about on Twitter at punt return pod. We're on Facebook at, uh, the punt return podcast. We're on Instagram at NFL podcast. Thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, like I said, jump on Twitter, give us a yell. I am at Nick splitter. Leper is at Ryan Lepore. We'll be back next week with the punt return for week 11 Go Birds!